Hallelujah. Do you believe the breakthrough is coming? Amen. Give the Lord a praise offering for your breakthrough. Hallelujah. Wow. I must tell you, there's quite an atmosphere in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Well, let's get on with the business. Thank you to the band. Well, welcome to Little Falls Christian Center. Every person here and those on the live streaming. May I just see by a show of hands if we have any visitors here today. Just lift up your hand. We want to put something in your hands. Just lift it up. Keep it up. And welcome them, please. Thank you. Amen. Well, tonight, Pastor Jock will be ministering. Pastor Harold's given us the opportunity to minister today. And praise the Lord. Let's welcome Pastor Jock. Just a couple of announcements. This coming Tuesday, all right, we have an open party here at Little Falls. It's going to be great. It is massive. If you're a leader, if you want to be a leader, and I believe that you need to be a leader, this coming Tuesday, the leadership of Little Falls gets together. But we're inviting every person listening to me now. Amen. Get excited. We're dishing out some cake in the spirit. Amen. You need some cake. <laughs> Come Tuesday evening. All our leaders, please invite the cells. Let's all arrive. Just another thing. We just want you, if you can, maybe there's times we need volunteers to help at Etimbeni. It could be once a month, and we need names. So if you want to help volunteer, there's a card. You can get it there at the info desk, or otherwise, you know, just come to one of the pastors and we'll help you. If you are able to help with that, that will be greatly appreciated. And then, here, it's wonderful to, be, to have an open church. Amen. So, Pastor Harold will be presenting a course in the Bible, which will be at the church on Thursday evening, starting... The 11th of August. All right, so it's going to be great. But here's the thing about these evenings, because it's a Bible school event. Every person is welcome. You need to register. There is a little fee attached to this, and you need to register. There is an email address. If you immediately register, we'll give you the best seat in the house. Amen. And there's an email address. Otherwise, we will provide a link. And I think every person is going to be here. It's going to be wonderful. And Pastor Harold, he's revving up in the spirit. It's one of those courses every person need to attend. And you're welcome to bring friends, family. Any person is welcome. Amen. Amen. Cannot wait for that. Praise God. And now, the prayer cards. You're welcome to complete a prayer card. We are really driving it in the spirit. There's a lot of needs in our church and we are praying daily as a staff, as pastors, and on Saturdays with a culmination that, you know, we are pressing in for you. And we take this very serious. If you want a card, you are welcome to get it as well at the back and complete that. Amen. And now it's my wonderful privilege to take up an offering to, to the Lord. And 
how beautiful it is to know that God is here for us and with us. I want you to take you to the most famous pieces of Scripture in the Bible. Not John 3.16. The other one. Who knows that one? Psalm 23. Amen. Let's go to Psalm 23. Psalm 23, as a pastor, we as pastors, we use this at funerals, mostly. But it's not a funeral now. Okay, amen. <laughs> it's not a funeral. Psalm 23 is a powerful, powerful piece of Scripture, which promises many things to those who trust upon God. We don't just read Psalm 23 you live it. It's, it's a lifestyle. It is something you refresh yourself in. But the greatest promise in Psalm 23 is, the Lord is my shepherd. And a shepherd, God shepherds our lives. And he's, there's many names attached to God's name. And one mentioned in the Bible quite significantly, is that God is a shepherd. But he's a shepherd of those who stay around him. He's a shepherd to those who love him and want to be shepherded by him. Therefore, God tonight promises things. I want to quickly read us a couple of things here. It says here, and I'm reading from this Bible, the Amplified, the New Amplified. I don't know if we still have it in the bookshop, but we'll get It's If you can, get this one. This is powerful. This one is good stuff. It says here, the Lord is my shepherd to feed, to guide, and to shield me. To feed, to guide, and to shield me. Do we need feeding, guidance, and shielding? Oh, absolutely. But listen to this. I've made a note here. Our provision is in proportion to our commitment. Our provision is in our commitment to God. And God always tests his sheep, whether they are staying close to him, whether he is able to help them and guide them and lead them. Then it says here, I shall not want. It means that that if you really trust God, really, really, and it's tested, and He is your shepherd, you will have no need. Which means that the shepherd will provide. And He will provide. This is a promise of God. He says here, I David declares, King David, he declares, he says, I, I shall not want and this is made and said in the present tense, not in the past tense. The Lord have provided for me. No, this is today. The Lord will provide. Always, it's so powerful. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still and quiet waters. He refreshes and restores my soul, which is my life. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. When you ever hear the name or the, 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 the phrase, for His name's sake, 
It means that His faithfulness is connected to us. So for His namesake, when we react in faith because He is our shepherd, He will provide. He will. That's why King David wrote this. King David knew what he has written here because he went through tough times. Can you imagine having a staff of 400 men and their families? And King David was the leader, and he had to provide for all these families. And yet, he had nothing. And he trusted, he knew that God was his shepherd, and he could provide. So he went out and lived this. This is something you live, actually. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff to guide. They comfort and console me. The rod is when God disciplines us. One of my disciplines I had to receive in my life was to trust upon the Lord and to learn how to trust Him with my finances. Learn how to trust Him, to really trust Him with tithes and offerings. And when you trust Him, that's where the peace really starts in a person's life. And it's never too late to learn that. Young people, I'm talking to you, to any person here. Maybe you're not a tither. Maybe you are only starting to learn this discipline. The outcome of trusting God is a person who's got peace in his life. And we need, if you trust God, you'll have peace. But there's always testing. And then let me finish here. It says here, listen to this. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed and refreshed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall unfailing, and your unfailing love shall follow me all the days of my life. All the days of my life. Even when there's no provision, there will be provision. Because it's following me. <laughs> you see, it's, when, we, when we are a disciplined people, and we are a faithful people, and we are a trusting people, then God follows me. His blessings follows me. That when it must appear, it will appear. Amen. And then it says, And I shall dwell forever throughout all of my days in the house and in the presence of the Lord. May we tonight really give to our shepherd. Give a thank offering tonight to our shepherd in thanking him that he is our shepherd. When he shepherds, it all will always work, works out. We have two bags, a red bag, which is for the tithes and the offerings that goes directly to the church, and then we have a blue bag. The blue bag is connected to all the churches giving unto the poor, unto Etembeni, unto the prisons ministry, unto churches where we can help. So just to identify for the visitors why we have two bags coming through. So let us pray. Father God, Lord, we submit tonight's giving unto you for those online and for your church gathered here together. Lord, we give unto you and we thank you tonight that you are truly our great shepherd. So bless your people and provide unto all of their needs. For Father, we know one thing, you love blessing your people. So we give by faith 
in Jesus' name. And all of us say, Amen. Let us give unto God. God bless you.
Lord, what a privilege it is to bless your holy name. It is the name above every other name. And Lord, the time will come when all of us, will, as that word said, all of us at some point will have to lay it down. And then it is important to know where it is that we will be going. And then we will still say and we will still shout and we will still pray and we will still sing that bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Father, thank you for your spirit. You are so truthful. And Lord, you never neglect us. May your spirit move. And as the tone was already said, through the worship music, as we now enter into your presence, that your spirit will minister unto us. We humble ourselves before you and give you all the glory. We ask this in Jesus' name and we all agree and we say, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, Ben. Thank you. Yes, let's give God a praise offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's a word we must never just abuse and just get used to the word hallelujah. Because it means praise the Lord. And indeed we should. Indeed we should praise the Lord. It's been probably one of my most frustrating weeks. And when I was speaking earlier to Pastor George in his preparation, he experienced likewise challenges. It is just one of those weeks where you realize that something is missing. You know, when you prepare for a message, you always get that golden nugget where you realize, now I'm ready. Now I have what I need. And you come to the place where you realize the more you surrender to God and the more He takes over, the more He will do what He does. I couldn't help but in preparation for this week, I was thinking back about last Sunday evening and this thing just came in my spirit. We cannot look at last Sunday evening as a one-off thing. Just because after two and a half years of the lockdown and the COVID, we cannot look at that as a one-off for me, it was the starting of something. Something was released. And if we don't tap into that, we're going to miss out what is coming in the, in the forthcoming uh, uh, weeks and months. And much of what will be said tonight, you will understand why I also referred to this. You know, in reading and in preparation, I only got my green light yesterday. You know, sometimes when you do things and you prepare, you wonder, Lord, is this really what I'm hearing? Is this really what I need to say? And a big part of that comes where you stand back and you say, God, let you move. Let you really move. Whatever you do, you must do. And, and, you, and you learn how to stand back. Every single time that we stand here and we preach, we learn more and more of that. You know, we stand absolutely in amazement. Pastor Adel's been doing this for 40 years. And he is, for us who preach, he is, he is the, 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 the template to work from. And you think, where will we get that? And you realize he's still doing the same things. And that is yielding unto God's Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit to move. Because God's Spirit is really wanting to move in the hours that we are in. So in preparation, we, something came to my attention yesterday, and it, I got the grill, and I knew this. Then I knew in my heart, Lord, this is the right message. I've got the right scripture. I cannot build any uh, message unless I have a scripture from God, because that is life. That is who God is. It's His Word. It is life. And therefore, I want to go back to do something. 
You know, last Sunday evening, there was a prophetic word that was released. And I'm not going to read everything to you. I want to encourage you. And sorry, by the way, all our online listeners welcome you tonight as well. Go and listen to what was said, what was prophesied, because it was for the due season that we are in. And I just want to quote a few things that was, um, that, that, that was said. And it said these things. Do not say to yourself, oh, how troubled it is. Do not say to yourself, things are going down. When I am saying to you, says God, that I'm taking you up. I am saying to you, says the Lord, even in this night, I will cause you to ride above the heights of the mountains. This is what God declared last Sunday evening. And then he goes on and he says, You who are called by my name and have been saved, I will cause you to prosper in the face of adversity. And I will cause you to be strong because your strength has never been in yourself anyway. It has been the strength of the Lord that propelled you even to this day when you find yourself. Therefore, I give you a future. That's just pass, a part of what was released last Sunday evening. That is what God gave to this church. Another thing that he said, I will judge the gods of Africa just as I have judged the gods of Egypt. When God comes to judge, he comes to cleanse. God will never play second fiddle, never ever. He wants your very best because he gave his very best. It is not a hard thing. It's not a difficult thing to give our best. Because when our eyes are fixed upon our Savior, it is the easiest thing to do. But it is to get there. That is the journey. That is the challenge for all of us. God gave a word to this church. And it is a message that is also for the church as the body of Christ. And in the same manner, God speaks in His Word to the church. In some of the letters that Paul writes, it is directed to churches. But in essence, it's always to the church being the body of Christ. And I want to tie this up with tonight's scripture that you will find in the book of 1 Thessalonians from chapter 1. So please turn in your Bibles there in the book of 1 Thessalonians one. And whilst you're getting there, I just want to once again just give you some background as to what had transpired here. Now, Paul wrote 14 letters, 14 books, 14 epistles. Some may disagree, but that's your opinion. I believe he wrote Hebrews, and if you disagree with me, I'm yet to be proven otherwise. I think there's sufficient evidence for that. So I include Hebrews in that. But he didn't only write 14 books, he impacted others as well. A big part of Acts, he's involved there. Because that's Luke who wrote this. And obviously had a big impact on the book of Luke as well. So now we're talking about 16 books, if you want to have it. But let's say 14 he authored. And this is the first of all the letters and all, of all, the, all, the, all the books that he wrote. And the phenomenal thing about the book of 1 Thessalonians is that in all of the five chapters, every single time he mentions this, Jesus Christ is coming. Jesus Christ is coming soon. 
and we must get ready. That is the central theme in all of the five chapters of 1 Thessalonians. So the first book that he writes to the body of Christ, he already tells them, get yourself ready because Christ is coming. That's the central theme in, in, the, in, the, in the book of 1 Thessalonians. But if you understand the book of Thessalonians, you've got to go back to the book of Acts as well. You don't have to go back there because I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of what happened there. Because in the book of Acts, Paul writes there in chapter 16, he wants to go and preach the gospel in Asia, but he says God forbids him. The Holy Spirit stopped him from doing that. You will also read later in the book of 1 Thessalonians that we're going to read from, but in a later chapter it says, Paul wanted to visit the church in Thessalonica. But he said there, the devil hindered him. Satan hindered us. God will sometimes stop you and hinder you, and so will Satan. How do you determine which one is from God and which one is from Satan? Very easy, very simple. Here it is. When God hinders you to do something, he's got something else prepared which he will reveal and it will happen. It will be for the better. Satan will always stop you to do something good. And the return that there is, the other suggestion that he poses always leads you away from God. That is how you determine between the two or establish between the two. So Paul goes now by the leading of God instead of to Asia. Now he goes to Macedonia. And on his way to Macedonia, God says, take a detour here because I'm sending you to the Thessalonians. He's sending them to the Thessalonians. And this is where this... There's this particular reference come from, from these two books that was written. But what had happened is the church was planted now, and Paul wanted to go and visit them. And more than a year later, he's still trying to get to them. And now he sends Timothy to go and visit the church, the one that he so desires to go and visit. And Timothy gives a feedback of what the church in Thessalonica is like, and you'll be astounded by, this is for me the standard, the blueprint of what must and should happen in a church, and obviously we can't cover everything that's in here, but we will cover pivotal parts that will help us in the time and the season that we are in. You see, in the book of 1 Thessalonians also, a very central, strong theme comes through, or let's say secondary to the first of Jesus coming back. It says there, we will all suffer the wrath of God if we do not believe. You see, God once excused the whole world from His wrath. He did it once. It didn't mean that because God excused us that He didn't want to punish. That wrath was poured out upon His Son. If God says, my judgment must come, that I will pour out my wrath then God is not a liar. He's going to do that. Christ interceded for us, and Christ said, bring that upon me because I will stand in the gap for them. This is why we are here today. So once it was done for all mankind, at the second return of Christ, we won't get that same benefit. Only the believers will, excuse, will be excused and exempted from that wrath because then God's wrath is going to come and there's no price to be paid because it was already paid. So at His second coming, those who are not saved will suffer the wrath of God a day that no one wants. We have got no idea what the wrath of God is. Comprehend this for one moment. You are in hell and there's no recollection of hope. No one is coming for you. And this is your future eternally. That 
is what the starting of God's wrath is. There's no hope for change to come. We still live with hope today. Some of you are going through hardships and difficulties. You've got hope that things will change. In hell, there is no hope. And Paul speaks, the wrath of God is coming at His second coming. Make sure that the church, that you are ready so that you do not suffer the wrath. Only once God excused that because Christ paid the price. Now let's go to one, uh, 1 Thessalonians 1. We're going to read there from 1, verse 1 to, to 6. And I'm going to jump between translations because I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. And when I started reading this amplified version, I was absolutely silenced with the beauty of how this is explained. So I will make reference to it a bit later, but let's read there. So Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Silvanus is Silas. So these three, he says he writes this to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says then, grace to you and peace to you all. We give thanks to God always for you all. Remember now, this is a letter that Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica after Timothy came back and told him what, what they were doing there. Because Paul hadn't been able to visit the church at, that partic at this particular time. He says, I make mention of you in my prayers. Well, we, the three of us, Make mention of you in our praise. Verse 3, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father. Knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. Verse 5, for our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. And then lastly, verse 6. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction, with joy and of the Holy Spirit. You see, to them, the word of God was preached. When Paul says here, this is our gospel. He doesn't say this is mine that I'm writing. Paul is clarifying the gospel that was preached by all of the apostles, even those preceding him, Peter and John and James. He said, this is our gospel because there are many gospels out there, many messages out there. Now, what was this gospel? Let's just establish that just as the foundation. What is the gospel that he preached? You don't have to go there, but if you ever want to do yourself a favor, if you want to know anything and everything about the kingdom of God and about Jesus Christ and about the Holy Spirit, just go and read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I think it's 58 verses. If you just read that chapter, you will, you will know everything you need to know concerning who God is and what our Lord Jesus Christ did. So in verse 1 to 4, Paul establishes what that particular gospel is that he preached. He says here, and I'm reading just certain um, uh, words, in the, no, not reading all four verses. I'm just taking the highlights out of this just for the sake of time. He says here in verse 1, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you. Verse 2, by this gospel you were also saved. So therefore hold fast 
that that word which I preach to you, then verse 3, for I live it to you first all that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, that is his gospel. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, he says here, and that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel that they preach. Very simple, very effective, true, you can't Counter it, you can't fake it. That is the simple truth about the gospel. It's all about Jesus Christ. Three things he did. He died, he was buried, and he rose again. And they responded to this gospel. So Paul clarifies to them, this is the gospel that you preach. And now he's writing to them, I see that you are still holding fast to this gospel. And then he goes on and he says, but the gospel that he preached, we know what the gospel is. But how was this gospel preached? Because what was the gospel all about? It was about Jesus Christ. You know, when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, all of heaven, all of heaven knows who the Son of God is. The angels in heaven, the Father knows His Son. The Holy Spirit knows He's the Son of God. Even the fallen angels when they were in heaven, they knew who the Son of God was. But lo and behold, it was for mankind, the inferior of them all, that there was a struggle to convince them that Jesus was the Son of God. How would God go about in doing this? Because all of heaven knew, but it was relevant to the earth, to mankind to come to know who the Son of God is. Because in there, it was the only way that God could reconcile them when they would believe that He's the Son of God. How would God do this? Something supernatural, divine had to happen. This is just mankind. We're never satisfied with the obvious. We are hard to please as human beings. So God realized, I have to do something supernatural. What am I going to do? I'm going to give them an empty grave. Because by that, all of us, must agree, no man can raise another man from the grave. It has to be supernatural. Therefore, it has to be God. So by an empty grave, Jesus Christ proved what heaven knew all along, that he is the Son of God. That is the gospel that they were preaching. And how was this preached? Paul goes and he says through three ways. He said, first of all, it is not only in word. Verse 5, let's go to verse 5. It said, it is not only in word that I preach this gospel. So he states from the beginning, I bring you the gospel in word, but that's the minimum requirement. He said, the word is not going to suffice. It's the Logos word. He said, you can preach, you can teach, you can read the word of God, it will have no power in your life. It is not enough only. He says, this is the, this is the basic foundation for all of us is to just get into the Word. This is the power of the Word, is read it, preach it, teach it, make it part of your life, for things are to come that will change and we'll get to them in, in a minute or so. He says, when he, when he says, it will not be in Word only. Why does it, he want it not to be in Word only? If you read the Word of God, if you study the Word of God, the only thing that happens to you is that you are more knowledgeable today than what you were yesterday. That's all. You sit with knowledge. And most churches just preach this. I am absolutely shocked 
to hear of so many churches where they do not preach the Holy Spirit or the power or the movement of God's Holy Spirit. If there's no Holy Spirit in any part of your life, there will never be power. The Word of God will always just remain here. It is not what God wants for the church. It is certainly not what we preach in this church. We will never preach this. Paul clarifies what the gospel is, and he says to them, I do not give it to you in word only. Word is the starting block of this. He says in that same verse 5, he says this, I give it to you in power. So firstly, he starts, in power. That word in power is the Greek word, you've heard of it, dunamis. This is the definition. Dunamis is the explosive and the miraculous power. It is the only form of power that ushers in a miracle. That is what it means. It means that when God says, the word of God is in power, that, he, that, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has got power to do what? The first thing is to bring salvation. There is no other message or gospel or faith or belief in this world that brings salvation. They will teach what they want. I'm saying, I'm stating it categorically. It has not been disproved. This is the only gospel that brings salvation. Not Islam, not Hindus, not Buddha. No other religion brings salvation because there's only one. One faith. There's only one faith, like ours, that paid a price. Ours is the only one. A price was paid, which was our Lord Jesus Christ. Therein lies the power, because the grave is still empty. Hallelujah. The grave is still empty. Romans 1.16 says this. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God, the dunamis of God. To do what? To salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Greek. No one is excluded from this. So I say to all of those, if you are from Islam, if you are from Buddha, you too can receive this when you accept Jesus Christ. That is the power of the religion that we believe in. And I only use religion in order to separate from the world religions, but we never serve a religion. That is the power of this. But if that is so true, where is the power of God in the church today? Is it evident? Where is the power of God in your life? Do you have proof that the power of God is evident in your life? If we go back to the church in Thessalonica, listen to what happened to them in Acts 17, the first four verses. Listen to what happened. Paul, on his way to Macedonia, being now moved to go to Thessalonica, he says there, I went to the synagogue as what was my custom. When Paul went to a city, he went to the synagogues. What to do? To go, because in the synagogues, they would read the Word, and they would, they would um, uh, unfold the Word, and they would have discussion. So Paul went. It says there, I was there for three Sabbaths. Three weeks. Only three weeks Paul preached there in Thessalonica. What happened? In three weeks, a church was born. A church was birthed. Just in three weeks. The power of God was so powerful there that in three weeks, a church was birthed. And a, a, a year later, when Timothy comes and gives feedback, that church is still on fire. They are still going strong. 
because the foundation that was set was sufficient for them. If we take what happened last Sunday evening and in the morning, and we take today what happened this morning with Pastor George's sermon and tonight what the Spirit is going to do, and we take next week Sunday, if you are not changed by that, then we're missing something because God proves that the standard church is the church of Thessalonica. And it only took three weeks for them to respond to this. There was no resistance. They didn't have 10% of what we have today. And they responded to it. Listen to what Paul says then of that same church. And you can go there to chapters, I mean to verse 7 and 8. Listen, this is the proof that they were still going strong and the effect that it had when they went there for those, when Paul ministered in the synagogue for three weeks. It says there in verse 7, uh, yes, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord has resounded from you and has echoed like thunder, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place the news of your great faith in God has spread so that we never need to say anything about this. So Paul says, I'm writing a letter to you, but I've got nothing to say. Because you have proved that what we preach works and you are living it and you are doing it. Can you say this? Can we say this as a church? This is the case. Are we truly living what God has taught us? Are we the example for all the people? Out? Let's just forget all the people. If we take the West Rand, are we the example for the churches in the West Rand? Do they hear of us and do they envy what is happening here? Are we that example that Paul writes about that church in Thessalonica that we can say on the West Rand, go to that place, go to that church because things are happening there at Little Falls. We hear of the things. We want to be like them. They want to become our envy because they know things happen here that do not happen in their church. Can we say this? Where's the evidence? Where is the proof? Where is the power that Paul speaks of here? Is the power present in this church? Have we seen the power over the years? And I bet you your, the answer is yes. If, you, if, you, if the answer is no, then you probably have visited tonight for the first time. But the power of God has been evident in this church. I just go back one week, last Sunday night, was, for me was proof. It was proof. And even now my face is burning. And it's not because I was in the sun today. And I know what it is. This is the power that's available to all of us. This is what happened to the church. But you see, the problem is, where is that power that should be all around. Why don't we have that power all the time? And even in some churches, why isn't it present there? Why isn't it in your life? And here's the answer to it. Because we seek the power, and we do not seek Him who brings the power. You cannot have relationship with power. You can only have relationship with a source of power. You see, we seek power so that we selfishly can have our situations changed. Oh, please come, God, and take this yoke away from me. Remove that problem. Bring this breakthrough. Deliver me from that. Heal me from that. We want power so that our circumstances can change. But the power of God is for you to change and for me to change. That is where the true power lies. Moses got it. When Moses stood at the burning bush, he knew this was the power of God. When Moses stand, stood before God, God said, pick up that staff. Moses only realized the power of God at that moment. And when he went to Egypt, he already knew what the power of God was like. He was not immature 
a, a foolish man when he went into Egypt because he already experienced the power of God. And that moved him to go into Egypt, to take on Pharaoh, the leader of the most powerful nation in the world at the time, to speak to him with a staff. That's all he had. But therein was the power of God because he knew who was behind that staff. When Peter and John went to the temple on the day to worship, a lame man lying there since his birth, asking them for alms. And Peter said to him, gold and silver I don't have, riches and gold I don't have. But what I give to you is this, stand up and in the name of Jesus Christ, walk, walk. And never did that person battle with being lame ever again. That is the power. How did they know that? Because they walked with Jesus. They saw the power of our Lord Jesus, and they believed in it, and it was evident in their life. What is the power of the church worldwide today? How big is your church? A sad thing that we actually classify churches nowadays. Some churches are called small, some are called big, and some are called mega churches. Where do you find this, that God defines the church like that? The church is nowadays powerful because their leader is powerful because of the amount of followers he has on the internet or on the social media. Or he's got a title, or she's got a title because they've got a doctorate and they're an apostle. They're a qualified and a learned man. They have written and authored books, and they're on TV shows. That church is a powerful church because look what's happening with their leader. I'm so glad that the leader of this church has never succumbed to that. He's only been led by the power of God, and we are the evidence of that. Who is that power? It is the Holy Spirit. Paul clarifies, in power and in the Holy Spirit, that is the power that we have available for us. That is who the Holy Spirit is. That is what He does. The power of God is not a what, it's not a how, it is a who. It is a person. And if we don't have the person, we have nothing. You can do and say and speak and declare and decree what you want. But if there's no Holy Spirit, you will have nothing. Because we are void of it and we are empty of it. That is precisely why God sent him. The power of God is threefold. Number one, it has a source. It is the Holy Spirit. It has a purpose. What is the purpose of the power? For you and me to go and witness Jesus Christ. And lastly, it has a condition. And the condition is that we have a relationship with God, a fellowship with God. We will never receive the power of God's Holy Spirit unless we have a relationship with God. Think of it this way. If you are a parent, why would you give your children something if they and you do not have a relationship? If your child is distant from you, are not obedient, and they do not honor you, what in you would want to give them things? The same with God. The closer we draw to God, the more of His Holy Spirit is unveiled unto us so that we can go then and reveal that power to the world through Jesus Christ and that we can be witnesses. I close off with this. This is the highlight of this portion of Scripture. It says there, because in much assurance, this church in Thessalonica did all of this because the word was preached, because there was power, and the power came through the Holy Spirit in much assurance. This is what they did. It says there that they had total conviction and total boldness that this was the case. And this is why they kept on doing it, because they knew 
total confidence that in Christ alone, the gospel that was preached in word and in the Holy Spirit and in power, this is, this, this is the gospel that they believed in and that brought in the transformation in their lives because that is the power of God's, of God's uh, uh, word. That gospel is to bring transformation. In our church, we will continue and never stop ministering in this way because here is the thing. This is the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in us. He gives us that boldness so that we address, address sin. We will always address sin here. We will never compromise on sin. The world will not define to us what sin is. Only God will tell us that. In this church, the boldness of the Holy Spirit will help us that we will never be impacted by the world. We will impact the world ourselves. That is what we will do because of the Holy Spirit. Because of the Holy Spirit, we will never settle in this church for a lukewarm people. We will always address that and want you to come out so that we can help you. The power of the Holy Spirit will always drive us that much assurance and conviction and boldness that we have. We will always open up the door and say, who needs salvation? Where is the altar call? Where is the person and the people who need to come to God to make right? Because there is sin in your life. There is sin in your life that you need to readdress because you know you are lukewarm. You know there's something wrong. Something is hindering you. We will always do that by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can save no one. Only Christ can save, and that is through the Holy Spirit that's working in each and every single one of you. I want you to close your eyes for me, because I want to address that very point, the point of salvation. I don't know if you are saved tonight, but I would like you to know for sure, and I want to help you with this, because God wants all of you to come into His kingdom so that every person here that their names are written in God's Lamb's Book of Life. If you have never made that confession... I want you to raise your hands. I'm not going to drag this out because you either know tonight or you don't know. If you're thinking about this and you are wondering, then it's your hand that must go up. Please raise your hands for me because I want to pray for you and I want to pray with you. And this church will support you in this. If you have uncertainty of your salvation, please raise your hand for me. You are that important that I cannot, I cannot pass by. God will not allow that. That is why you have come here tonight so that God can make sure that you are in his kingdom. Thank you. Thank you. I see hands going up. And if you want to come and make right tonight and if you believe that you are your walk with God is not what it's supposed to be. You also please need to raise your hand for me. Can I see your hands where you are? Please raise those hands for me. Those who need to make right with God, please do that. When you leave tonight, you must be absolutely sure that no matter what happens from you here on in, if God would come and fetch you tonight, then you must know when you stand before him that judgment seat, say, Lord, thank you for accepting me into your kingdom. You cannot have any doubt. If you have that doubt, we need to readdress this. I want to ask all those who have raised their hands, please can you stand for me because we stand with you. Please stand for me. Thank you. Thank you. Can you, My sister there, can you please stand as well? Thank you. You are so precious. Can I ask that you please come to the front for me, please? You are so, you are so precious. Just come stand here. And you will not be alone. Somebody will be here with you. Somebody will be here with you. Thank you very much. This man was very convinced. The moment the question was asked, you didn't hesitate to put up your hand. And tonight's your night. 
You will not walk out here tonight being the same person because it was God's plan for you. And I'm waiting for my sister there. Come. Let's yo, let, bring, bring the sister there. Come. Let's bring her. Can I get an usher just to help her or just to come? Thank you. Yes. I remember I saw the hand. Let not the devil withhold you from receiving tonight what is rightfully yours. Do not allow that. Do not permit that. Tonight it's the boldness that they have to come and step out. This is their power. Thank you. Welcome, welcome you two precious people. Can I ask that as we raise our hands to them, which is to the heavenly father, that you in the front, you two, raise your hands to the heaven, and I'm going to lead you in prayer, and all of you just pray it with me as well, because we can always do it every single time. Say, heavenly father, I confess my sins to you, and I ask that you would wash me in the blood of Jesus Christ. Cleanse me, from all impurities. I forgive every person that has ever sinned against me. I receive tonight your Holy Spirit for my life. And I thank you that tonight you write my name in your Lamb's Book of Life because I acknowledge that the punishment of my peace was upon Jesus Christ. And by His stripes, I am saved, I am healed. Thank you, Jesus. Let's give God a praise offering. Amen. 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 You two precious people, I just want to ask to please just turn for me to your left-hand side. People behind you will walk with you. We just want to quickly pray a prayer over you, and then you're going to come back. So don't, don't worry, you're not going to miss out. But thank you. Let's give God a praise offering because two souls are saved tonight. I've got no doubt that God wants to minister tonight. And I want us just to be sensitive to that. And in doing so, I do believe let's prepare our hearts for what is coming. Because when we entreat unto God, God speaks. So I want us to stand because the band will lead us in that worship. And then let God do what he does best.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you've taken us into your holies of holies. And Lord, there you want to minister unto us, so we just want to be obedient to that. So we pray, Father, that we will be receptive to your spirit this night. And even for those who are listening via the live stream, that they will receive what the Lord wants to impart unto them tonight. We thank you for this, Heavenly Father. In Jesus Christ's name alone, we pray this. You may all be seated. And whilst we all in this place of absolute, absolute surrenderedness before God, there's one thing God has laid on my heart that He wants to do tonight. Just as those people in Thessalonica, as they received the gospel and with much assurance, with boldness, they kept on walking in it, that if they're, even after a year, it was still present in their lives. If you want to have that same boldness that they have, if you want to have that same kind of much assurance as the Word of God is speaking of here, then you must come out because God wants to bless people tonight. He wants to have that boldness. That means you are going to step into another place in your walk with God. That means that things must change for you. That means that you, when you come forward, you must have the absolute faith that what I ask for is what I will get because I want to step in more boldness into the presence of God. If that is you, you must come to the front because God wants you to receive that tonight. Treat this seriously, but come, don't hold back. If that is you, if you want to have boldness to enter into the presence of God, into that holy of holies, if you want to have that much assurance that no matter what comes your way, that things will never overcome me because I take what God has for me and I will walk with this. And from this day onwards, I will never doubt because it's God's Holy Spirit who comes and gives you that, that much assurance and that boldness. And you will never be the same again. You can never expect to be the same again. Can I ask the pastors and also where the women are, the pastors' wives as well, to please help us pray because there are a lot of people that is coming for that. And may you receive by that faith. We pray that the Lord will strengthen all of your faith, that you will truly receive what God is imparting unto all of you. Thank you very much. Thanks.
say much because there's no words that I can say beyond this there's a song that we're going to close off with let those words speak of how worthy our God is and how great he is and receive what you sing then when we bring to a close this evening I thank you for your obedience but most of all I thank God for his Holy Spirit hallelujah amen
their hands to the heavens as we close off by entreating unto our Father. Heavenly Father, up from the ashes, up from the ashes we've come. And we'll only go up from here on in. We bring every prophetic promise that has been released upon this nation, on this people, upon this church, before your throne of grace in this night. And we say tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, let it be so, Father. Let it be so by the power of your Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. And we give you the praise for this. And let's give God a praise offering. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And now, Heavenly Father, as we depart, going our different ways, we cannot do so by asking you, Father, to first let your holy angels go before us and make the mountains plain for us. Let them surround us and lead us in the week to come. Let what was released last Sunday, what was released today, come and shape us. Let us take it into the week and be bold for Christ because we will not be the same again. Therefore, Father, may you be glorified in every aspect, in every season of our lives. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and then the fellowship and the power of God's Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. And we all agree and say, Amen. 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 Travel safe.